Well, good morning. How are you guys doing today? Awesome. I'm glad you're doing good because this has been a rough week. Uh, been been uh, sick all week long, and um, I just tell you right now, I'm blessed. The team has been so amazing helping make sure everything got done today. I even have Jolly Ranchers, Cinnamon Jolly Ranchers, pre-unwrapped from Maryland Illingworth, just in case I start coughing. I, I can't tell you how much I hate tea right now, but it's here too. So goal here is we're going to rock it today, okay? So if I get verklempt and walk off stage and the band comes and just starts playing, that was God's plan for this morning. So we're in our, uh, in our Roman series, and we're going to continue on that. I remember uh, last week as we were talking about this, uh, we're, we're going through chapters 9, 10, and 11. And as we were looking through that, remember those three verses, those three chapters that we were looking at here are all one passage. It's meant and intended to be read all in one sitting. And I know that all of you this week sat down and every single day read from 9 to 10 to 11 just so you could get a great feel for what this passage is about. Didn't you? I know everybody's online like, yes, we were nailing it. So this is good. Uh, we've been uh, walking through that. So that's, it's all intended to be one passage. So uh, remember this whole passage that we were talking about, it all centers around the question, has God rejected his chosen people? And the resounding answer to that was found in chapter 11, verse 1, which we haven't quite gotten to yet. But it is this, and the answer is no. By no means, okay, has he rejected his chosen people. And that's where we kind of centered around last week as Paul, who's brokenhearted leader, loving his people, he's wanting to stay... I want you guys to know that God loves you. He has not rejected you. But Paul's heart's broken because his chosen people have rejected him. And God's people have, have chosen not to believe the truth. The truth is right before them, and they reject that truth that is right before them. They know what the path to salvation is, but they choose to reject it. And so they begin to pursue righteousness. They pursue this right relationship with God, but they do it the wrong way. They do it through and they pursue it through this idea of works rather than by faith in Christ and what he's done on the cross and that he is the true Messiah. And they thought they could make themselves right, that they could do this and that they would be able to achieve this righteous place with God if they would just follow the law. And uh, what we discovered last week is that, that all of that just fell short. There's nothing that we can do to earn our way, our righteousness before God. There's only one way that we are made right with God, and that is by grace through faith in Christ alone as the true Messiah who died on the cross, who rose from the grave. That is where, as we put our faith in that and as we believe in that, that's where righteousness takes place. And so that's where we're going to pick up today uh, as we continue on. In, in chapter 10. So if you've got your Bibles, open up to uh, Romans chapter 10. And we're going to start with the first verse on that. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open it up. At home, make sure you, you go find your Bible. Hopefully you had it there. You're taking notes and everything. Pull it out there. Romans chapter 10. And this one I want you to do. Let's all stand for the reading of the word. Romans chapter 10, starting with verse 1. 
Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they're zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Moses describes in this way the righteousness that is by the law. The man who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart. That is, excuse me, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who trusts in the name, who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then? Can they call on the one that they have believed in? And how can they believe in the one who they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can they preach unless they have been sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. But I asked, did they not hear of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all of the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Again, I asked, did Israel not understand? Well, first Moses says, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. And Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. But concerning Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. Father God, we thank you so much for your word today that you've given us. We thank you for the fact that the truth is here before us. We pray, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us, that we would be able to see you, that we would be able to hear you, that we would be able to understand, and that you would give us the courage and the strength we need to respond to that today. We thank you for your word. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, Paul begins here, and he begins by stating his heart's desire. He comes at us, oh, this is with all my heart. This is what I want. I want for Israel to be saved. That's what he wants above everything else. 
He vouches for their zealous nature. He goes on and says, they're zealous. I, I can vouch for that. They are totally zealous, but they're zealous in the wrong direction. They don't get it. They're passionately pursuing God. They're passionately pursuing this relationship with God. And that is fantastic. That is what we want. God is totally the object of their, of their pursuit. However, they're trying to get to him with their own path. He says, no, I've given you this path. I've got this way that I, I've made for you. And yet you're still trying to go your way. You're still trying to relate to me in your way. You're trying to dictate how this works. And, and that's, well, that's not how it works. And so what ends up happening is they were enthusiastically pursuing God, but they had this misguided route. They pursued righteousness by their works. They were still going after the law. It's after the law. It's I mean, if I can just do the right things, if I can just say the right things, if I can just follow the right rules, if I can just do the right things, then I will be right with God. And he's saying, no, that is not how this is going to work. And they thought that they could make themselves right that way. But then what he says, I love what he says, is Israel didn't know the righteousness that comes from God. It's not that they didn't know what the righteousness of God was or what the path was, by the way. Every time I read that, I started reading that going, that's just so, they just didn't know. They were just ignorant. They were just, they must have missed it somewhere. But no, the truth is, is they knew the way, but they didn't know the righteousness. They were pursuing a righteousness, but they didn't know the righteousness that was coming from God. They knew a righteousness or what they perceived to be righteousness, but they knew a self-righteousness, a righteousness that comes from the things that I'm doing that I have done. We get there, don't we? There are moments when we do things, have you ever done something and you feel good about it? And you have this feeling like, oh, I'm right. This was the right thing to do. That was the right, have you ever said that before? Maybe there's been a moment when someone's been in need and, and, and you've been blessed and, 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 and you feel like God's telling you to, to give in and speak into that need or, or whatever. And so you do it and afterwards, man, you walk away and you're like, man, that's right. That was the right thing to do. And you feel good, right? And then sometimes there's times when people need encouragement. You see someone off the side and you, you notice them and you actually take the time and stop and you go encourage them. You speak to them, maybe you pray over them. Oh, this is good. And you feel like, oh, that's right. That's the right thing to do. Well, that's kind of where they were living. They were living in this place where they were doing what they felt was the right things. And boy, it made them feel right. But the truth was, is that right that they were feeling wasn't God's right. It was just a warm, fuzzy feeling that wasn't going to get them anywhere. Because warm, fuzzy feelings don't make us right with God. And so he's encouraging them. They don't understand. They don't know the righteousness that comes from God. Christ comes along and he ends the law. He ends their need to just do the right things. And I wrestled with this as I was going to say this today, but, but Jesus comes and he ends the law and he makes righteousness possible now for anybody who believes. And so what happens now is instead of my behaviors and my choices and my following of the law, instead of that being where I'm seeking my identity and seeking my salvation, now I do those right things and I do those righteous acts and I do those things now as a response of gratitude for what Christ has done for me. Does that make sense? It doesn't mean necessarily you stop helping people, you stop praying for people, you stop giving. It doesn't mean you stop seeking to follow God's law and to be obedient to that. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, oh, the, when Christ comes and he ends the law, oh, now you don't have to worry about the law anymore. No, no, no. 
No, those, those laws, all those are given to help us understand what it means to live this out. However, that's the, the outflow of a life transformed. Does that make sense? It doesn't come as a motivation for earning my salvation. It is because I am saved. It is because of what Christ has done. It is because of his sacrifice for me. It is because of his love that I have received that I'm now gonna turn around and love others and care about others and have compassion for others because that's what I've received. And so now my actions are a result of what Christ has done, not my actions are supposed to motivate him to do something for me. They didn't know his righteousness. They didn't know. Jesus made it possible for everyone to become righteous if they would believe. It's important that we know, as he says in verse 8, it's important for us to understand what we're proclaiming, what the truth is. It's important for us to understand and know that. And it's important for us to know the way uh, that it takes to get to Christ. Because, one, for us, we need to understand exactly know what we should be pursuing. We need to know the way for us, don't we? But we also need to know the way for those that don't know yet. For the people that come into every single one of our lives, maybe every day in your home, your workplace, in the circles that you operate, the people that God brings into your area of influence, we need to know the way for them. And we need to be able to accurately articulate what the actual truth is, what the way is to Jesus, right? It's important for us to know this. I was, was, a while back, my parents, uh, my grandparents, excuse me, moved to Placerville, California. If you know Placerville, California, it is, it is actually up, uh, it's, it's, it's above in the, the mountains uh, near Sacramento, Roseville, up in that area. It is woodsy, it is mountainy, it is a small, it used to be a mining town, it used to be known as Hangtown, and it was because people hung out there. Um, the mining boom during, the, during the, the, um, the gold rush was huge there, and so it has, but it's just a small town, it's a small town. I think to this day, they only have like 10,000 people in the whole town. So it's just a small town in the middle of the, and my, I was going to go find my, why my grandparents moved there, we're still not sure, Okay. But my wife and I at the time, we were just newly married. And we're like, hey, Grandpa, we want to come up and visit you guys. And, you know, we were up in there. We want to come see you. He's like, okay, oh, this would be so great. And we said, well, can you give us directions? It was before the days of Waze. It was before the days of GPS or any of those kind of things. So there were no Garmin that I could look at. And I said, okay, so how do I get there? You know, how do I get there? And he goes, okay, well, so you're going to come into town. And when you come to the post office, turn left. And I was like, okay, which post office? He's like, oh, no, there's only one post office. Okay, well, what, uh, what, uh, so turn left to the post office. Then after, at the post office, you're going to come to um, a, a tree. And I'm like, Grandpa, it's, it's, in, the, it's in the forest. It's, there's lots. Now, when you come to the tree, you're going to take a right. Okay? And then when you go down, when you come to the big rock, you're going to turn left. And I thought to myself, I'm not so certain that Grandpa really knows the way. I said, street names, Grandpa. I need street names. I need to be able to find. He goes, I don't know the street names. But I know that you turn left at the post office. You turn right at the trees. You turn left at the big rock. And we're just down there on the left. I'm like, I'm not sure that Grandpa knows the way. I'm not sure I'm going to know the way. But sure enough, it turns out Grandpa knew the way. 
Because I per- turned into town and there was the post office. All right, fine. And I'm like, we're kind of like flipping to bed, whatever, grandpa. Turn left from the line. And then we're like, trees. How many there's trees? Sure enough, man, there's these big trees. And we're like, all right, turn. And we get down and then there's this massive rock. And I turn left at the rock, went down the road, found my way to his house. And I just remember sitting there going, well, that's a good thing grandpa knew the way. Because I'm not even sure that GPS would have gotten me there these days. But it is important and it's crucial because we need to know the way. It's important for us to be able to get around. Uh, it's very important. It's very important. Have you ever done that where, where you know how to get somewhere, but you can't tell somebody else how to get there? I've lived in Bakersfield for eight years. And, um, you know, I got kids now that are driving. And, and every now and then the people say, oh, where are you going to meet at? And I'll just say, oh, there, go to this place. And I can tell them, I, and it's funny, I give directions like my grandpa. I'm like, okay, go to Sonic and turn left. Which Sonic? Really kind of the one, there's just the one. You're going to turn left there. And then there's an AMPM with an in and out, and you're going to turn right. Anyways, so that's kind of, mostly it's food items, it's restaurants you notice that are my, and there's, we don't have any big rocks, but um, food places, that's kind of how I get my way. But you know, it's, it's one thing to be able to know how to get there yourself, but it's important that you can articulate how to get there for other people. And one of the beautiful things about the book of Romans that we've been in is it's actually famous and well used as, as being the, a great way to lay out God's plan of salvation. And uh, there's lots of different things that come out of it. A lot of key passages uh, that are in here can help us find the way and be able to articulate the way. In fact, there's a way called the Romans Road to Salvation. Anybody heard of it? All right. Everybody at home is like, yes, we've heard of that. Okay, so Romans Road to Salvation is what it's called. And can I tell you guys, I, um, I looked on the internet. I was like, oh, this is going to be, this is great. This is totally part of it. Because this part of the Romans Road to Salvation, look where it ends up. It ends up in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10 and 10 through 13. But as you look, as I looked on the internet. I'm like, oh, there's got to be some cool handouts and resources and, and all this stuff. And I can just grab something off the internet and throw it into my PowerPoint, Right. Can I tell you, I found more graphics from 1963 on the internet. I spent two hours looking for good graphics. There was none out there. So I made this. If you like how it looks, yes, I created this. If you don't, I got it off the internet. <laughs> Just kidding. No, I did this. I, I'm very particular about how it looks because I really want it to be very, very, very clear. That's why on the handouts and the note sheets that are out there, you look around on the back and boom, it tells you like this. And I've done that on purpose because the notes that are on the front are neat and great because it helps you stay engaged. But the stuff on the back is what I want you to learn. I want us to be able to have this. I want you to, be able to put this on your refrigerator, put it somewhere, fold it up, put it in your Bible, something like that to the point where we can memorize this because this is important. Okay, it's very, very important that we understand that this collection here of verses that are from this book in the New Testament, Romans, and it concisely explains God's plan of salvation. Okay, and it begins here with step one in that we got a problem. And the first thing that needs to happen is we need to be able to identify and admit that we have a problem. What is the problem? The problem is sin. And that's where it comes with Romans 3.23. It says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay? Every single one of us have sinned. Every single one of us has blown it. There is nobody. In fact, I love it. In back, if you back up to verse 10, it says there's no one righteous, not even one. And that's what we're going for, right? 
That's what the Israelites are going for. That's what we're going for is to be made right with God, to be in right relationship with him. And it's saying here that nobody's righteous. Everybody has sinned. All of us have been decued from righteousness. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All. Every single one of us. And it's funny how a lot of times when we're sitting and looking at ourselves, sometimes we think we're the only ones. We look at other people and go, man, they got it together. Man, they got it all together. Look at them. They're perfect. And we look at them and we see their Facebook posts and it's just Bible verses and scripture and worship videos playing and, and doves that, you know, fly. And, and you're like, man, they got it all. And their kids are always smiling and everything's always just right. And they go on these great vacations and you see them in their church and they raise their hands sometimes. And um, man, I wish I could be like that. Let me look at our own life and go, man, I see the sin. I see the brokenness. I see the, we play that comparison game. But the truth is, is the comparison game isn't to one another. You're never intended to be better than the person sitting next to you. The goal is to be like Christ. And all of us have sinned. Every single one of us. The problem continues because, unfortunately, as we hear in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin, the result of sin that is left unchecked in our lives is death. Death is eternal separation from God. I had someone ask me, so what happens when, when someone dies? So, well, you go where you've chosen to go. If you spent your life saying, God, I want absolutely nothing to do with you, why in the world on your deathbed would all of a sudden he go, here, come, come to the place that you never wanted to be. You rejected me here. You don't want anything to do with me here, so I'm going to let you have what you want. Hell. Eternal separation from God. So, we got a problem. The wages of sin is death, but I love the second half of this. Even in the midst of that bad news, Paul goes in there. He says, but, 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 the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. There's even hope, even in the horrible bad news of death. Are you serious? The result of sin is death. But God says, but I want you to be in right relationship with me, not just now and here, but for eternity. And I have that. And here's the way. It's through Christ Jesus. It's through what he's done on the cross that we can have the way. And it's the only way. The only way. There is no other way. There's nothing that includes some works or some, some hail brents or anything like that. Nothing like that is going to work. It all comes down to, boom, what Jesus did on the cross. So we got the problem is all that have sinned. The other problem is the wages of sin is death. But the good news is the gift of God is eternal life. And step three is found in five days. But God demonstrates. So what does God do? God doesn't wait for us to do anything because, quite frankly, there's nothing we can do. We can't fix ourselves. We can't solve this righteousness, unrighteousness problem. The only way is through Christ. So what does God do? He demonstrates. He doesn't talk about his love for us. He shows us his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we were still sinning, he didn't wait for us to get good. So he goes, okay, now you're worthy. I'm going to make it happen. No, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So that what? So that we could be made right before him. That's how much he loves us. This plays into John's 3:16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. What did he do? He demonstrated his love by giving his son so that none would perish, but that all would have eternal life. Then we have step four. 
Okay? So this is God's response to it. So then how do we do it? What's our response as sinners? What do we do? And that was where we meet into today's uh, verses 9 through 10. And it says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. This is our response to God. So what do we do? We have to accept his way. This is the way that he wants us to go. We have to believe in our heart. Excuse me, we have to declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Which, by the way, that when you say Jesus is Lord, it is not just a saying that you come to an altar, you kneel at, and you say, Jesus is Lord, magical words, bring, the Holy Spirit comes down and you're set. It's not like that. It's not like hocus pocus, abracadabra, Jesus is Lord. That is not. I just turned into Adam Sandler there for a second. I'm sorry. Um, uh, but it was weird. Like it's not just this saying that you do. Understand what you're saying. When you say Jesus is Lord, you're saying Jesus is the Lord. He is the king. He is in control. He is the one that died on the cross. I believe that he is the one. It's a declaration of submission of my life to him. Jesus is Lord is more than just a quick phrase that you throw out there. It's not just a bumper sticker. It's honestly saying, Jesus, I submit my life to you. I give my life to you. Here you are. It's ugly. It's broken. It's messy. I don't even understand all of it itself. I've tried to fix it. I can't. I've tried comparing. That doesn't work. No matter what I do, God, I'm not enough. But you are. And you are Lord. You are Lord of my life. It begins there with that proclamation. This is who you are. And then it goes to believing in your heart. I believe I trust you with my life. What I'm going to do in the days and the weeks and the months that follow here is I'm going to live a life that is submitted to you. I believe that what you did on the cross is worth it. I believe that your path for my life is the best path that I could ever take. I trust you. And it's now a step of walking in faith. And the world's going to look at that and go, that is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. That is such foolishness. Good grief, you guys are stupid. And for those of us, for those out there who do not understand, it will be just that. But for those of us who have, it is the very power of God released and at work in our lives. And it makes all the difference. So that's our response as sinners. And what's the final result? What ends up happening? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, everybody who does this will be saved. And you don't have to wonder, gee, I wonder if I'm saved. Is Jesus Lord? Have you is, 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 are you proclaiming that Jesus is Lord in your life? Mm -hmm. Do you believe that what he did? Do you have you, are you walking by faith? You are saved, period. You don't have to wonder. There's total assurance that we can walk around knowing that we know that we know. We don't have to walk around hoping and, and oh man, I'll, if, the, if the big one hits, I hope I'm ready. No, no, I'm ready. Proclaim that he is Lord every single day. Believe and walk by faith good. 
in evangelism class, we, we were taught to ask that probing question of, if you were to die right now, do you know where you'd go? And there's no reason you shouldn't be able to go, yeah, I know. Why do you know? I don't know. What do you, how, how do you know? Oh, because Jesus is Lord of my life. And I've put my faith in him. I believe he's the Messiah. He came for me. Oh, <laughs> we can know. And this is the road, and it's easily articulated. And like I said, I wanted to put this out there for you guys graphically because, one, I'm a visual learner all the way across the board. So I wanted you to have this. So now that you have this, I really do. Please take it. Put it somewhere prominently. If you need to copy it and put it other places, memorize these verses. Memorize these key verses, okay? So that if anybody ever comes to you and says, How's, how do I get there? Okay, you're a Christian. You're following Jesus. How do I get there? You can go, oh, that's great. Let's go to Romans. This is what the Bible says. And then, by the way, you're not just saying, well, this is what I think would be a good idea. I'm giving you my opinion on things. Or this is how I think you should do it. Because nobody cares how you think you should do it. A lot of books out there, though, that, that want you to think that that's the way to go. We want to know how God wants us to do it. We need to submit our path to his path. Our righteousness to, needs to come from his righteousness. Okay? It's the Roman Rome. Take it. Make sure that you learn it. Okay? Because when we are asked the way, we need to be ready and able to tell them. Amen? <laughs> Can I tell you, freak somebody out. You want to freak somebody out. I've seen this so many times. People are like, yes, that's great. That's great. And then Paul comes along and he even reinforces this idea that we've got to be ready and able to tell them. If someone was to come and ask you right now, would you have an answer? I mean, aside from the, the handout you have now? I hope so. I hope you do. But for some of us, we go, whew, I kind of, I kind of, sort of get it. And can I tell you? Oh, I can't say that. That would incriminate. Um, there have been times when, how do I say this? Let me say it like this. Not everybody knows. Even people who are in the profession of, of ministry in various capacities, there are people out there who, who are in, in that state and couldn't lead someone to Christ. They don't know the way. I mean, they kind of know the way. But it's fascinating when you ask somebody, so how would you lead someone to Christ? If someone was coming, what would you do? And you listen, you're like, wow. Have you read the Bible? Like, and it's hard because it's like, whoa, you, I thought you would know. Okay? But they don't. But this is what Paul says because Paul wants to make sure that we understand this idea that we need to be ready. He says this, how can they... How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? That's the point, right? We want them to call on the name of the Lord. Well, how can they call if they haven't ever, excuse me, if they haven't believed? Well, then they should believe. Well, how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? Well, someone should tell them. Well, how can they hear without someone preaching it to them? Well, someone needs to preach, preferably 30 minutes or less. <laughs> and how can anyone preach unless they are sent? We need to send people out then. There are people that they need to be ready to do that. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I love the way that Paul just kind of walks his back all the way to, wait a second, we need to understand something here. 
they need to know. And how beautiful are the feet of those who believe him. But can I tell you, there are so many people in the church that feel like that's the pastor's job. Which you're right. It is. As pastors, everybody on our pastoral staff, if anybody at any moment, whether it be camp, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, if anybody say, I want Jesus, how do I do this? We should be able to go, boom, this is the way. But if we're really good, we should also be equipping you. And every single one of you should be able to do the exact same thing. Because I want you to know, and I know Pastor Kevin is the same thing, that when we give you this benediction and we say, now go, guess what we're doing right there? We're sending you with the good news into the world. If you haven't picked up on that yet, you have been sent. You are the bearers of the gospel. You are those that have the good news. And every Sunday when we send you out, that's exactly what we're doing. The question is, 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 are you do that? Do you understand that you have a responsibility? We have a responsibility. And it's so cool, by the way. Responsibility sounds so heavy, doesn't it? It's like, ooh, what's my responsibility? Can I tell you it's your privilege to be able to be a part of that? Can I tell you there are moments I have spent hours and hours and hours planning, playing games, trips, retreats, the whole thing, and you spend so much energy. And then one comes and kneels at an altar and accepts Christ. And in that moment, it's, it may sound cliche, but you're like, it was all worth it. That's, 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 that's it. That's why we do what we do. And I've got great stories. And there's no more beautiful moment than when someone surrenders their life to Christ. And everything changes. Then the real fun begins because then there's discipleship and that's a hoot. Which is awesome. It is a lot of fun. Okay? But it's our responsibility to bring people the good news. We are being sent into the world to do just that. Transformation. Jesus doesn't just meet people in church. They're like, if I can just get them into church, how about you get them in your home? How about you get them in your garage? Like not kidnapping, not like that. But like, how about you... You talk to him at a Dodger game. I mean, come on, you got victory and victory happening at the same place. It's epic. Sorry, that's the medicine talking. No, it's not. Man, this tea's terrible. Are you doing it? Are you bringing the good news out there to the people that you know? You see, the good news is the Holy Spirit's the one that draws them. The Holy Spirit's the one that does the transforming work. It's not your job to convince them, to get them in the holy headlock and go, Jesus loves you. Come on, let's do this. That's not how it works, okay? Holy Spirit's the one that does all that. We just get, get to be a part of that moment when the Holy Spirit does his thing. Where he says, here, come on, let's do this. And we get to be a part of that if we are ready, if we are prepared. We need to be able to bring the good news. And you never know What's going to happen? When you start praying and saying, okay, God, use me. Here we go. Who do, who do you want to do? And you start anticipating. You're ready. And in those moments, it, you never know what's going to happen when you ask a question like, you want to give your life to Christ. Are you ready? You never know what's going to happen. I remember one time I was preaching up in Yuba City. We had five services up there. And I was in charge of the two Saturday night services. And it was the first service at 5 o'clock. 
And um, we were kind of going over this kind of stuff. I was, I was walking through this, and I was trying to teach him, like, hey, I'm going to tell you how this is how you lead someone to Christ. And I got out there, literally, and I'm sitting there going, all right, guys, so um, imagine that you have a friend that says, I- I'm ready. I want to surrender my life to Christ. And out from the crowd, about right there where Kaylee's at, she says, this lady goes, I want to. I want to surrender my life to Christ. And I was like, it was one of those moments where you're like, I'm not sure what to do with this. Okay, you really, you want to surrender your life to Christ? She goes, yeah, I do. And I was like, something the Holy Spirit said, well, invite her up. I'm like, okay, let's do this. And so I invited her up and I called her up and she comes up, man, she introduced herself and I don't know this lady at all. I don't know what's going to happen. This is a totally unscripted moment. So I started talking to her and I said, okay, well, well, why do you, you know, why do you want to come? And then she starts essentially saying, because I know I'm a sinner and I'm broken and I'm, I, 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 I need him. I can't do this. I've been trying to fix myself up and I've been doing this and this. And she confesses to everybody and admits I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm broken. And I was like, wow, well, and that's, well, and we just started walking through the process. And I said, well, do you know the result? What, you know, what happens when, when, with that sin. She goes, I know, it's, it's death. And I'm terrified of death. And I was like, yeah, it's not just a physical. She goes, I know, I love Jesus and I want to be with him forever. Ha ha ha. It's money. It's all unfolding. People are out there going, yeah, he set that one up and the whole thing. We went through this whole thing. She gives her life to Christ. She ends up praying this prayer of, of accepting Christ and, and confessing her sins and believing and, and the whole thing. And I had a couple ladies from our women's ministry came up and I passed her off to her and I walk out and, and the, I was, the whole place just erupts in, in applause. And I, I, when she cleared the room and I knew she couldn't hear anymore, I was like, you guys have to understand something. That wasn't scripted. I don't know what I'm going to do in the second service. And they were laughing. It was funny. But you never know. You never know what God's going to do. I have some amazing stories um, that I can't tell because I'm going to go long and I love it. But can I tell you, I mean, we, we, we took, I love taking trips to Brazil. I love seeing God work as he displaces us from our usual normalcy. And as we were there, we were getting ready. And one of the things we do is we work on our testimonies. And I had this one young lady who desperately wanted to go. She loved the idea of compassion and helping and serving other people. And, and as we were, we were working on it, uh, our testimonies, she came up to me. She goes, well, what if you don't have a testimony? And I said, well, what do you mean? She goes, well, I don't, I don't believe in God. And I don't, I said, that's okay. Your testimony is just, is what God's doing in your life. She goes, and I said, so this is what I want you to, I just want you to kind of write down for you, what you're feeling and what's going on and what you feel like is motivating you in these things. And so she's like, okay, whatever. And this is now eight months, excuse me, of preparation leading up to this. And I turned to her two friends who go to our youth group who, who are believers. And I said, okay, your job during this preparation is not only to prepare yourself, but we're gonna be praying and that the Holy Spirit would prepare her. And I remember we went on this trip we're getting on the plane, and nothing had happened, and they're still like, they're like, what? And I'm like, keep praying, keep praying. 
Holy Spirit, this is not our job, it's Holy Spirit's job. Boom, we go through. And one of the last evenings that we were there, I'm preaching to this youth service. And so there's about, I don't know, it's about 1,200 students, high school, college age students that are out there in this sanctuary. And I'm giving this gospel presentation. And as I'm going through this, and I said, so if you are ready, if you want to follow God's way, I want to invite you just to come down to these altars. Let's pray and let's give our lives to Christ. And I see people start to kind of pop up and come down. And out of the corner of my eye, there she is. And I watch her walk down over to the altar and kneel. Can I tell you, nothing else in that room mattered. I don't care how many thousand people there were in there. I look back at her two friends and their eyes are like massive. They're like, oh my gosh. I'm like, yes. And I turned to the pastor and I gave him the mic. I said, you got to take it from here. I, this one's ours. And so we went down and we knelt and prayed. And that day she gave her life to Christ. Can I tell you, you never know. When we first, when I first met her and just having that conversation, she really wasn't interested. She just wanted to help people. That's really, I just want to help people. <laughs> I just like people. People are good. It's like, awesome. That's great. But look what the Holy Spirit does is he transforms and he calls people and brings them. But when the moment comes, we need to be ready to be able to share the good news, to be able to walk them down that road. So as we wrap this up today, the band's going to come out and get ready to play. Did God reject his people? That's the central question, remember? Did God reject his people? No. His promises are still true. He still holds firm to what he says. The truth is still the truth. But the truth is that God's people rejected him. But even after they rejected him, he still wanted to be in this right relationship with them. He still wanted to draw them to him. He still loved them so much that he showed them the way, even in the midst of all that. He paved the way for them, for the Israelites to be able to come to him through Christ. But guess what? He did that for us as well. It wasn't just for Israel. It was for the whole world. So as we close up here, as the band comes out and plays, and you guys can move this back over if you wanted to. Or I don't know. But this is, this is how I just wanted to end it up with this is, quite frankly, this is, is listen, have you walked the road yet? Are you ready? I cannot believe preaching a message like this and not offering an opportunity. That if you were in this room today and you've been looking at this today and God has been calling you and talking to you and inviting you and you know that you're not right with God, but you wanna get right with God, I wanna invite you today just to stand where you're at and we wanna pray with you. If you would like to give your life to Christ today, if you would like to submit to him, I just invite you to stand. It's uncomfortable, I know. But if you're here and he's been talking to you, odds are if he's been talking to you today, this isn't the first time he's been talking to you. If you're here today and you've been fighting him, and you've been working on your own way to try to make yourself right. And no matter what you try that the world throws at you, no matter what offering that the world gives you, you realize it still isn't enough. I'm still not right. Even those temporary warm fuzzies aren't helping me. I want to be right with God. 
then today, just stand. You're in a room with a group of people who love you. And most in this room, a lot in this room, have done this and stood at some time themselves as well. Can I get someone to come help me, please? I need someone to come help pray with this young lady over here. Can you, can you help me? Tell me, what is, what, what's your name? Tierra. Tierra, I want you to just feel the presence of the people that are around you. This road to Jesus, <laughs> there's a lot of us traveling it. And you're not alone. And a place like this, a church like this, this is how God intends for us to do life as we walk this road and this path to him together. And this path to salvation isn't the end. Salvation isn't the end of the road. Salvation is the beginning of a journey that continues on with him as he's gonna transform your life. But Tara, today, do you confess that, that you're broken, that you're a sinner and that you need Jesus? Do you confess your sins to him today? Do you believe that he died on the cross for your sins to take those away? Are you willing to submit yourself to him and make him the Lord of your life? If that's it, then this Tara, I want you to just kind of pray along with me. There's nothing magical in the words. What it is, it's the submission of your heart. Putting your faith in him, that's what changes everything. So pray with me. You can just repeat it to yourself. You can say it out loud. It's whatever you want to do. But you say, dear Jesus, thank you so much for loving me. I confess that I am a sinner. And I can't fix myself. Jesus, I need you today. I confess all of my sins to you. You know them, every single one. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave to bring me life. Lord, today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. You are now the Lord of my life. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for giving me a new life in you. Help me in the weeks to come to follow you with all of my heart. I am yours. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen.
The Holy Spirit is amazing. The Holy Spirit isn't active and moving in somebody else's life at some point in time. And I pray that, that, that you understand this, Tara, that now we want to walk with you, okay? And want to make sure, please, that we get your information. I'm sure we have most of it. Please make sure we get your information. I want to connect with you, okay? I'm sick. I don't want to get you sick. But I, I do want to make sure that we understand now what goes from here, okay? Because God's got a plan. He's got a way for you to receive life and life to the absolute fullest, and it's going to be found in him. So we want to walk with him and be discipled, and we want to become more and more like him, and that changes this life here. But can I tell you right now, Tara, if you were to die, not going to happen, not going to happen. But if you were to walk out here and you were to die tonight, you would go to heaven. You need to know that you know that you know you would be you are saved by grace through faith in Jesus alone. That's it. Okay? So now let's grow. Let's see. Oh, gosh, God's got amazing things. Okay? He's got great life ahead. It's not going to be easy all the time. It's not going to be easy life necessarily. Okay? But it's going to be good because he will be with you. Okay? So let's make sure we connect. Let's make sure we do this. Guys, huh, are you ready? Are you ready to go? That's really the second question of this that we have to walk out here with today is simply this. <laughs> Are you ready? Take that hand out. Learn that hand out. Be ready. Be prayerful in saying, God, at any moment, if you need me, I'm ready. Lord, who do you want me to share the good news with? That's where we need to live. That's what we need to be prepared and ready to do. So stand with me. We're going to sing. We're going to sing. And after we're done singing, I'm going to send us out here, okay? Just so that no confusion. We're going to sing. I'm going to send. You're going to go. God's going to work, okay? God's going to continue work. He hasn't not worked yet, okay? So, band, let's, let's sing. <laughs>